0: Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ron. Isabella, it is so great to have you back on the show because you know what? You're my girlfriend and I love chatting it up, but we're also colleagues, and professionals. And we've shared some similar path this past year, which I'm hoping we'll get to talk to today. So welcome back and congratulations on a number one New York Times bestseller book. That just is amazing.
1: Aviva, thank you so much. It's it's always so fun to connect with you. And I'm a big fan of the work that you're doing in the world. So it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. And back at you. So Let's just
0: jump right in to like what you and I have been doing for the past year because <laughs> I think that I think that for our listeners getting personal is a really nice thing to do and we we know where to find your amazing thyroid information and I want to talk about that but I want to talk about this past year. So you and I kind of started out on this path around the same time of getting into the internet world. You were in it a couple of years before I was, and you already had a smashing success with your book, but you were self-publishing it. And even though that's a lot of work, that's a lot of a different demand than working with a publisher, having external demands, the pressures to get a manuscript in on time, get your book launch going. And a lot of people don't realize that when we are authoring a book, it's not like the publishing company is doing the marketing. These days, it's the author, 99.999% fronting the money, fronting the time, creating the list, getting all the copy out. It's, uh, it's a I lot of I, I want to <laughs> say like an SH, something ton of work. So... I know how much work it was on me and it was exhausting and emotionally up and down. And there were nights I remember at some point, who was it? It was, it was Dave Asprey or somebody else, but posted on their Facebook page, something like, here's what it looks like at 7 o'clock at night when you're working on a project and you have a glass of wine and a, gla- and a cup of coffee on the desk in front of you. And can anyone relate? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm exactly right there with you right now. <laughs> so, But I don't have Hashimoto's. You had not only all of that on you, but you also had a very unique, I mean, I had to manage my self-care and my time. I'm so curious for everyone here, like, what this past year has really, really been like for Dr. Isabella Wentz.
1: Well it's it's like you said it's been a lot of ups and downs there's been a lot of amazing exciting moments a lot of breakthroughs and there's been quite a few lows um so starting last May um I was really in the in the depth of my manuscript and I was trying to finish it up my book deadline was July 1st and Let's just say I took some liberties with my my diet. (laughs) Um, I I generally follow a gluten-free and dairy-free diet to keep my Hashimoto's into remission. And there's this really amazing bakery in my neighborhood that has gluten-free pies. Unfortunately, they're made with butter. And I thought, okay, well, just a little bit of butter, that's not going to hurt me. So I was wrong. In the midst of trying to finish my manuscript, I developed carpal tunnel in both of my arms. And as you can imagine, I'm trying to sit over the computer and trying to type and trying to edit and and shift things around. And I'm having horrific carpal tunnel in both of my arms, right, as I'm trying to help the world and and educating them about the importance of gluten-free and dairy-free diets and how dairy can actually trigger symptoms like acid reflux, irritable bowel syndrome, and carpal tunnel. Here I am, you know, accidentally exposing myself to dairy, And ended up with this carpal tunnel. So I had to, I actually had to put my book writing on hold for, for a little while. And I had to take some time to heal. So I did some chiropractic manipulations. I put all kinds of creams and potions and lotions on my arms. And I took B6 and omega threes and just really try to get back on track with, um, with getting the pain to go away. Um, that then led me to fall behind <laughs> on my timeline, right? And so then then at that point, I ended up having to stay up extra nights to try to get the manuscript going. And there were some nights, and Viva, I'll tell you, you know, I didn't, I don't recommend this, but there were nights where I was up until 3 or 4 a.m. trying to finish my manuscript. I think I Uh, talked to you at one point during that time (laughs) and we had a nice chat because I remember
0: sitting on the corner chair of my bedroom and I remember I had a cup of tea and you said something about late nights and Red Bull and I was like, oh my gosh, make sure you're taking care of yourself. But it happens. I, I mean, there were nights, Isabella, I was waking up Because, you know, for my book, I had three months to, the irony, right? Three months to write a book on adrenal health. And (laughs) I remember there was, there were a couple of nights where like four o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up from sleep because I was dreaming about typing on my manuscript. And I realized that I was having an idea or something I needed to edit. So then I would just jump up and then I would be
1: up until like 11 the next night. It's a really crazy process. Mm-hmm. Yeah and and just for for the listeners I wasn't drinking Red Bull but it, I was sort of like this feels oh, like bulletproof, I'm bulletproof I think. Did you say yeah. bulletproof? Bulletproof. Yeah. 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 <laughs> bulletproof. It, was, it was bulletproof coffee so bulletproof train wrecks where I was mixing Yerba Mate with um shots of bulletproof and that was Oh my gosh. It helped me finish the book. That was um really really helpful and of course I didn't use dairy with it because that flares up my carpal tunnel and acid reflux and um I didn't test my thyroid antibodies at the time but if I had, I'm sure they would have been elevated from, from the dairy exposure. And so, um, yeah, it was like being back in college, almost like pulling all nighters. And it's, it's kind of ironic. There's this little meme where there's a guy sitting at a computer and just rapidly typing away. And his friend goes, I don't get it. You drink caffeine all day. You don't exercise. You're in front of the computer all day. What are you writing about? And the guy goes, "Health." Yeah. <laughs> um and for a while it can feel like that um and you know for for me i am somebody that has a history of hashimotos so i can't do that for long term so i can do that for a few weeks and then um i will start having flare ups and symptoms coming up again so i actually have to be very careful and i have to constantly bring myself back to yeah. um to a state of self care and so that's really one of my big recommendations for people who are, um, you know, hitting a, a wall or having a lot of flares is like really go back to the basics of self-care.
0: You know, I think it's so important. And one of the things for me that I make as sort of a principle in my life and in my work is to really walk my talk and not ask people to do things that I can't or won't do or haven't done. And so pretty quickly on in the book process, I've, I had to step back and say, you know, I can't let this book make me sick if what I'm doing is talking about health. And so I also had to find some boundaries around, for me, you know, it's paying attention to how I feel, right? For you, carpal tunnel is clearly a body barometer. It's one of what I call these things, you know, these little symptoms that show up that kind of tell us we're on the edge of going from a little bit of stress to body distress, right? It's when our body's sending out that kind of SOS message. And and carpal tunnel for those of you guys listening who don't know this whether or not you have Hashimoto's is actually a sign it's one of the signs that can can indicate somebody does actually have Hashimoto's so in my patients when they come in and they have carpal tunnel I don't necessarily always check for Hashimoto's but 8 out of you know if there's an explanation for why they have like repetitive motion or something like that but 8 out of 10 times I do check thyroid antibodies in that situation so I had to make a decision to rein it back in. Also because I knew that once the book came out there was gonna be more pressure and more work to do. And it's not like it was ever going to stop. So I realized it could become like the new normal to be that at that high amplitude all the time. So, you know, for me I started to find some balance between how much I was working and hitting the pause button, really making sure I was staying well, hydrated, eating well, getting out for walks. But, you know, in life there are just times that, and you and I have just both been through and are still sort of in one of those times, like a real high intensity time. And we all go through it, whether we have a family member that's sick and requires us to run back and forth to their home to take care of them, or a child that's in need, or like you mentioned, college or graduate school, someone else who's listening who's crazy enough to write a book, even after hearing us talk. What are the ways that for you Now, having been through this, if you were to do it differently, are there things that you would sort of make yourself do differently? And what would you recommend now based on your experience and hindsight with the book process that you would encourage other women to do if they're in or going through a high intensity time in their life, a high demand, like high output demand time?
1: Sure. And so, um, so things sort of came crashing for me in May when I had the carpal tunnel and I was just sort of, um, not feeling my best. and feeling discouraged and, and irritated, right? I'm yeah. um, stressed out. And at that point, I just sort of decided, you know, it was to start asking for help. And um, one of the things that I did is I looked for people around me. And so I looked to my husband and team members and we um, hired an editor. So to help find help within the community or even outside of our community to just um, get people who could take some of the burden and take some of the load off of my back. So the, a lot of what I was doing with my book, I had already written it. I just had to edit it. And so in my first book, I did like, I did the index by myself. Like I did everything oh my gosh, by myself. That's awful. And so I ended up hiring. <laughs> it was awful. Yes. <laughs> and it I ended up hiring an editor who then was able to edit my book. And so that took some of the load off of me I um, reached out to um, a friend who's a chiropractor to help me. And then I went through um, kind of an inventory. What, what were the things that other people in my life could help me with? Um, so I had um, I found a wonderful lady that could help me with cooking. I found some some kind of service. Found services. I did um, Amazon subscribe and save to start, start getting things like toilet paper and all these kind of repetitive tasks because a lot of times, you know, the biggest kind of barrier to staying healthy is that, that women a lot of times will say is I'm so busy and I've got a lot going on. And so figuring out how to take some of these things off of, off of your back. And so, you know, I like did I really need to spend time going to get toilet paper or paper towels when I can have them delivered to my door. So, so that was kind of one spot is creating some boundaries and creating some space around me, and getting rid of some of the things that didn't bring me joy, like creating an index, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, The other part of that was using that extra time to really take good care of myself. And so if I'm stressed, usually sleep is sleep, meditation, um, and walks in nature are going to be the three things that are going to help me get back on track. And so I made sure that I was, if I was to ever stay up at night, that I would give myself an opportunity to sleep in until nine and not waking up early. And so I started scheduling any meetings later on in the day, um, to make, make sure that I had this space to, um, to really get some rest. And then I started doing, um, uh, meditation and neurofeedback, And whenever I do that, that really gets me right back on track. It's, it's kind of funny because people say, I don't have time to meditate, right? But you really don't have time not to meditate because when you do meditate that, that just brings you in the zone and your brain works so much better. Um, I like neurofeedback. I have something called the NeuroOptimal neurofeedback machine. And then there's also um, the muse headband. That's really helpful. You could just do meditation three, three minutes a day with it. If you're somebody that's never meditated, that's something that um, may be of use to you. If you're somebody that knows how to meditate or feels, um, fine with with just meditating on your own. That's something I would recommend. You know, meditation doesn't have to cost anything. I didn't invent it. I'm not selling it. It's something that can be really, really helpful for, um, for a person to get back on track. And it's within a few days, you'll start seeing a difference when you do that. Nature is something that really grounds me and I have a beautiful hiking trail close to my house. And so just making a commitment that every day, Um, around four or five o'clock, I would actually go for a hike with, with my husband and my dog and sort of just focus on on the beauty and the nature around me. And usually those three things bring me back into balance. Um, some of the other things that I consider fundamentals are going to be making sure that you have, you're eating well. Um, you probably need to eat even better than when you do on a regular basis. Like if you're under low stress, you're gonna be able to tolerate a lot more foods if you have Hashimoto's. If you're under high stress, it's probably a good idea to to clean up your diet even more so. Um, and making sure that you're you're feeding yourself and fueling yourself. And then I also really like adrenal adaptogens. They I, I kind of I always make a joke that adrenal adaptogens make everybody else nicer and make the world a better <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Well it's so funny because during my book process You know, and again, that craziness of writing a book on adrenal thyroid health in three months was just, it almost became a joke. Like it was just too funny. But the other thing that was happening at the same time is that an herbal company had asked me to create a product line. So I had the book going and I had the product line going. And as you know, the rest of life doesn't stop. You still have to write your blogs, you're building your list, you're you know, you're just doing all the things of the rest of your work. But the funny thing was that the, the product line I was creating was an adrenal line. So I'm the, I am like the absolute worst supplement taker, but they were sending me samples and we were trying out the tastes and I had these bottles and I kept having to try different things. So I was sort of um, unwittingly continually getting doses of my own adaptogen products to keep me going through the process, which was so hilarious. I was like, okay, yes, this is being, this
1: is coming to me for a reason right now. Well, it, it meant that they were working really. At least you got a chance to to test them under pressure. Because had you been on a beach relaxing somewhere, they, you probably wouldn't have been able to see how effective they were. Right? It's
0: very true. So you mentioned so many. There's so much rich content here. Um, three minutes a day for meditation. I say the same thing. If that's all you can do, you know. And uh, in an ideal world, maybe three minutes when you wake up before you jump into your day, and three minutes when you're unwinding at night. And Jonathan Fields and I talked about the three minute power of the three-minute meditation when I interviewed him. It's really, we get this idea we have to sit on a cushion and ohm for 45 minutes or an hour, and it doesn't have to be that. You can get a pretty quick parasympathetic reset. So, so important, time in nature. I mean, there's so many therapeutic properties. When we're under stress, our microbiome and our gut lining take a huge hit. I mean, we've studies have shown that even one hour of pretty intense stress temporarily alters our microbiome. So big stuff there. And you mentioned asking for help. And to me, that is so powerful. I sometimes joke that, you know, we say that men are bad at asking for directions. And I, I mean, I think it could equally be said, jokingly, but somewhat true, that we're really bad as women, I think, at asking for help. And There's something about the way our society is set up that I think we got programmed very early That we're supposed to admit that we can do it all and not, and that almost like asking for help is admitting defeat. And I think this is such a powerful and important piece for all women, but especially women who are struggling with Hashimoto's, any autoimmune condition or adrenal depletion that's causing fatigue, because we beat ourselves up when we need help instead of saying, wow, this is a normal human thing. We're supposed to actually live in tribe and support each other. So how did you get to the point where you got comfortable asking for
1: help? You know, it was sort of, it was like, okay, well my arms hurt so clearly I can't write on my keyboard. Cause that, that would not help me recover from the, from the carpal tunnel. Right. And I needed to give my arms some rest and just thinking about what it means to be me and what does it mean to do I really need to do everything in life what does it mean to ask for help like you said a lot of times women we feel like if we ask for we have to be perfect at at you know our jobs and then we have to be perfect at home and we have to look great and there's all this internal and external pressure that we feel and what is it really worth right it, it's really not worth anything and then when you actually let's say if you get um if you get housekeeper to help you out around the house you're actually helping the housekeeper you're giving her or him an opportunity to use their gifts So I know there are people who are wonderful editors who are wonderful um, at cooking or they're wonderful at doing things that um, other people may not have time for or it might not be within their genius and so I sort of got to the point where I realized that if I really wanted to use my gifts and give my gifts to the world I was going to have to let go of trying to do everything and that was that was i think one of the the best lessons i learned through this process
0: that's so beautiful and you also mentioned you know if you don't have time to meditate you just don't have time but but actually meditation has been shown i just want to share with listeners meditation has been shown to actually ex- expand the available time that you do have meaning that when you take the time to relax when you are working because you're in a more relaxed state. And in the book, my book, I talk about it as the U-zone. You're actually operating at peak function when you are working. So when you unload the baggage that's keeping you all wound up, your, your brain isn't working the same way as when you kind of step out of that, the sympathetic adrenal overdrive and allow yourself to, like nobody ever has aha moments when they're pushing and pressuring. We have our aha moments in the shower or when we're meditating or when we're walking in nature.
1: No, absolutely. And um, part of a challenge of of trying to edit a book is a lot of times you're not necessarily on your computer working on it. A lot of times you're thinking about it. Like you said, you you wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, or maybe you're in the shower and you're like, Oh, I'm going to change this up this way. Or, you know, this is really important to to have in there and meditating and, you know, being in full state, being on um, a walk that can actually help you kind of make these new connections and have aha moments that you've never had before. It's, it's quite impressive for anybody that has never tried meditating. I encourage you to give it maybe three to five days. And it's amazing when you just start seeing breakthroughs and you start seeing the world slightly differently and you realize maybe you have this filter over your eyes and all of a sudden that filter just sort of shifts. It's, it's quite, um, you know, had I not done it myself, I wouldn't have believed it. But it's it's quite revolutionary and it's something so simple, right? It is so simple. And I really have found for myself that
0: the best life balance for me is remembering that every period of contraction, right, every period of intense focus has to be followed by a period of expansion, of relaxation, of, you know, even that kind of the way our eyes are focused in on the computer, and the opposite is when we're in nature and we get that more sort of like 180 or even bigger peripheral view, it actually shifts the brain so that we're using different neural pathways. So for me, I found that, and and just I find in life, because like you, we, we both have very kind of high output demand lives in our careers and our, and our personal lives. And, um, that that expansion and contraction is sometimes easy to forget. But when you start to feel really contracted, when you're starting to go from stress to distress, we often try to push through it. And I think that both of us learned that stepping away, step away from the computer, step away from the book, step away from the pressure allows you to come back to it fresher and with more energy and still get everything done that you need to get done.
1: Yeah. As long as you're in the right mindset, if, if you step away, but you're still stressed out, and you don't nourish yourself, if let's say you step away because of something else, um, you're not going to have the right mindset, and, and then you're going to feel stressed out going back to it. But it's all about um, really focusing on yourself and healing yourself, and giving yourself the same kind of care and compassion you would to a sick child or um, you know a pet that was that was going through a stressful time. That's something that's key to to actually getting through a difficult time. Um, if you, if you're hard on yourself, if you tend to beat up yourself, it's, it's going to make things a lot harder. So I I found that, um, self-compassion and just that self-care, self-love creating some space for myself is the best way that I can show up in the world and be there for others really.
0: And self-love really sends a message to your whole HPA axis, your adrenal stress system that Everything is right in the world. And we both talk about if you're trying to heal your thyroid or protect your thyroid, we have to create a sense of safety and we have to create a sense in our brain and our body that that everything's okay. We have to and nourishing helps us do that too. One of the things that you mentioned was, well, you mentioned two things that I want to swing back around to. One was that you mentioned that you didn't check your antibodies when you were feeling that carpal tunnel syndrome. And um, I'm curious, and I hope it's okay that I'm asking you this. I I know we've talked a lot and we've spent time together and, you know, we're friends as well as colleagues. But when you got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, you went through um, a really deep dive. You became, even though you were a pharmacist, you had to become your sort of own citizen scientist and you found a practitioner who helped you, did you at that
1: time go on medication for your or, or thyroid hormone supplement for your Hashimoto's? Yeah. So when I was diagnosed, my thyroid antibodies were in the 2000 range, oh. um, TCO antibodies. So I had a pretty aggressive case of Hashimoto's and unfortunately I was diagnosed at one of the later stages. So I already had significant damage to my thyroid gland. Um, and so, um, so I was started on thyroid hormones and they did help but I had to do a lot more to actually start feeling better. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of using thyroid hormones. Um, and they definitely helped me on my journey, but I, I, you know, I was on them before I started changing my lifestyle. Um, because I, you know, I went from sleeping, I I joke that I went from sleeping for 12 hours a night to 11 hours a night, which was great. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was still not where I wanted to be. And, um, I went from, I was living in Southern California at the time. So, I, I was sleeping with like two comforters and like a blanket on top, and I was able oh to like down to like one comforter. But still, the medications didn't really leave me feeling um, human. <laughs> now, do you still use them, or are you were you able to get off them completely? I do use thyroid hormones. So the challenge with Hashimoto's is is a lot of times most of women when they get diagnosed, they've had it for ten years. Um, On average, I probably started having Hashimoto's when I was three years old after I was exposed to Chernobyl. And um, I just was never properly diagnosed until I was in my late 20s. We have seen some women, and obviously it's easier to prevent the damage to the thyroid gland than it is to regenerate the thyroid tissue. We have seen some women um, that I've consulted with and worked with that have been able to wean off of thyroid hormones. And some of them have been able to um, wean off using cold laser therapy Um, about 50% in studies will be able to come off of thyroid hormones. The rest will be able to lower their dosage. I was using cold laser therapy. I was one of the people that was able to lower my dosage but not come off.
0: Yeah, I've had um, a lot of women in my practice. I'd say most of the women in my practice Are able to lower their doses. Sometimes it's just they were put on inappropriate doses in the first place. And sometimes it's because we're just getting a lot of gain with root cause approaches. But it was funny when I was writing my book, I had put in that a pretty large percentage of women who have had Hashimoto's for a long time will stay on it. And my publisher, well, our publisher, We Share Publisher, said, (laughs) Do you really have to put that in there? Because it sounds kind of negative. I'm like, Well, I think it's really important to be honest and realistic and I think it's one of those things that none of us ever wants to be sort of diagnosed with something because we are healthy and then the idea of getting diagnosed can make us feel like now we're somehow falling apart or we're sick and then doubly the idea of being on a medication, which I try to reframe for my patients as thyroid hormone supplement, which being a little bit different than like a medication that's doing something to your body. But I think it's so powerful um, because you do talk about healing Hashimoto's to hear that, you know, you're, you know, even Isabella once thyroid pharmacist still needs them and that you're really okay with that. And, you know, one of the things that I, I often tell people is women who have Hashimoto's have a very high risk of having another autoimmune disease, taking the medication, taking the thyroid hormone supplement doesn't, Stop the root causes that led to it, and so it's still really important to do both. so I just want to you know thank you for sharing that. Hope I didn't put you too much on the spot, but I, I really appreciate it. Tell us more about the cold laser therapy and how women can access it. It's not something I've started using in my practice, and I don't think I've heard you talk about it much before um in the past.
1: Sure, so there are a few there's a clinic in Brazil, an endocrinology clinic that's published three. Um, clinical trials, and they've been um, randomized, placebo-controlled, and they use cold laser therapy over the thyroid gland. So they'll they'll do a thyroid ultrasound of the patient, and then they'll draw um, a border around the thyroid gland, and then they'll um, give the person ten treatments over the course of five weeks. And um, all of the studies sh- have shown really positive results. So they'll show that a person can. Um, usually they have improvement on their thyroid gland. On ultrasound, they will have a reduced number of thyroid antibodies. And um, in all, pretty much all the studies, about 50% of the um, patients were able to come off of medications completely. And then um, the other half were able to um, reduce their dosages. Now, the, the challenge is if you don't address the root causes, if you don't address the triggers, then the damage can just start happening again. The, the way that the cold lasers work is they actually, in, it, the theory is that they actually induce some oxidative stress within the thyroid gland that promotes a healing cascade. There is um, one doctor, um, chiropractic laser specialist, Dr. Gare, in California that uses the cold lasers. Um, I actually, and, and this is, you know, I actually ordered a few different ones myself. And I was thinking about coming out with a, with a specialized thyroid laser until I realized it costs like a billion dollars to do something like that.
0: For women who can't access the cold laser therapy, I mean, there are, I have had amazing, I've seen amazing changes happen in women going from really high TPO antibodies to within the normal range or significantly reduced to closer to the normal range but going from thousands down to hundreds or going from hundreds down to tens or going to normal with things like removing some of the removing gluten from the diet removing casein from the diet dairy products removing artificial sweeteners which we know have an impact on the thyroid what are some of the things that you have found most impressive in your, um, audience that's written to you and followed your protocol or women that you've consulted with or men for that matter.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, few different things. Selenium can be really helpful over the course of three months. Um, yes, when you take your micrograms that can reduce your thyroid antibodies, make you feel better. Thiamine, um, 600 milligrams of Benfomax by pure encapsulations that can turn thyroid fatigue around in three days. That's, that's really impressive. Um, magnesium can make menstrual cramps disappear those are some easy things people can do in their own homes um, with practitioners or with their doctors testing for gut infections so um, I've seen people who had h pylori or people with blastocystis hominis where they were where they treated those those infections and they were able to um, get into remission. In the case of H. pylori, I've actually seen quite a few um, clients come off of thyroid hormones when they had H. pylori and that was eradicated. Um, one of the reasons could be the re- for the reduced dose is because they're absorbing the medications better, um, but some have actually been able to completely come off, which is, which is always interesting when it's always exciting to see. Um, and then the other thing that I found to be really helpful is low-dose naltrexone, um, and even with multiple autoimmune conditions, about 40% of people with Hashimoto's will feel significantly better on this compounded medication where they um will see more and en- better energy levels. They'll see their thyroid antibodies going to the thousand plus range into their emission range, and they just report um feeling like themselves again, which which is really the main thing that most people who are sick are after, right? And
0: that is my website tagline, feel like yourself again, because <laughs> that's the, that's what I, you know, I, I really try to listen to the words that women are using when they're talking with me, whether it's my patients or readers. And what I was having so many women in my practice say is, Dr. Rahm, I just want to feel like myself again. And even when women are are saying they're feeling better, that's what they're starting to say, I feel like myself again. So I kind of adopted that at at some point. That and healthy doesn't have to be so hard. You know, it's interesting. I the biggest, most powerful, quickest remissions I've seen with, with coming off of thyroid medication or being diagnosed with Hashimoto's and never having to start thyroid medication is with a different form of gut problem, which is celiac disease, which also is, leads to malabsorption and microbiome problems. So I'm not sure if it's the reduction in autoimmunity, the overall reduction in inflammation or some other process going on, but it has been shockingly impressive where I've seen somebody remit in three months and, and never need, never, I mean, if you had rechecked their labs three months later, you would never even think of them as someone with Hashimoto's. It's pretty amazing.
1: I've seen some miracle cases where people started off with, um, eczema, psoriasis, um, fertility issues, chronic, um, fatigue, and just a laundry list of symptoms and um, Hashimoto's, of course, and they would get off of gluten and then all of these things would disappear down the line. And, and I really love seeing that because it's, it, you know, you just want to celebrate with the person and get really excited to see that kind of a transformation. Um, another thing that I found really helpful, and this was the reason why I wrote Hashimoto's protocol, one of the reasons is actually supporting the liver in Hashimoto's can produce profound results in as little as two weeks. Um, I used to have these clients with a lot of chemical sensitivities, like multiple chemical sensitivities where perfumes would be really hard for them to tolerate. They, they wouldn't be able to, to go shopping at the mall. They, um, would be very reactive to everything in the environment as well as even supplements. And so it was really challenging for me to work with them at first because, I would give them a B vitamin and they'd say like, I had the worst reaction to that. And I was like, but that's like, that's so safe. Right. And so, um, I developed a liver support protocol for a few of my clients and I started utilizing it and I, you know, I was hopeful that it would help, but at the same time I was like, okay, they've, they've had multiple chemical sensitivities for so long, what's going to happen? Um, and I got a message from one of the ladies It was around Christmas time. And she's like, I'm at the mall. I'm shopping with my daughters for the first time in years. Cause I can now, you know, walk past all these stores that, that do all the fragrances and I'm not reacting. And she, um, her joint pains had gotten better. Her mood was better. I don't know if it's because she was actually able to be out in the world or if it was part of the liver support. And, um, the next lab test, her thyroid antibodies reduced. And so we started incorporating that into All of my client care. And then I started working through with the liver support within um, a group of my program clients. And we ended up seeing 65% of people felt significantly better within a week of using the liver support. And these are people who were struggling with Hashimoto's for 5, 10, 15 years. And I I consider liver support, adrenal support, and then supporting the gut as part of the fundamentals of healing. And that that to me you know it was it was a kind of a surprise it was a really nice surprise what big of a difference it can make when we sort of get rid of some of that toxic backlog
0: you know it's interesting my background as you know is as an herbalist and a midwife for you know two and a mm-hmm. half decades before i became an md and in herbal western herbal medicine and and in chinese herbal medicine as well the liver is such an important organ for the health of the whole body. And so commonly in herbal medicine, and this kind of harkens back to my textbook, which came out in like 2000, the first approaches are supporting the gut, particularly elimination, making sure we're having good elimination every day and supporting the liver. It's kind of like the herbalist go to. And then of course, adaptogens come from the world of herbal medicine. So for me, it's been so wonderful to be an MD. And I'm sure for you as a pharmacist as well, herbal medicine was not what you were necessarily trained to be doling out, but it's, it's pretty fun to watch these <laughs> traditional medicines. And, and then there's like so much validation of them by modern science. It's very exciting.
1: It's, it's quite exciting to see that. And for me, I just came from being, you know, I, I sort of, I think you came from the herbal world, more of a natural world into more of a conventional world. And you were able to bridge that where I came from a very strict conventional world and began to learn all of a lot of the natural interventions. And so, so you and I have sort of had different journeys coming to a very similar place, which is really exciting to, to both be in that place where we recognize the value of both conventional, um, medicine and science. And at the same time, um, looking at a person as an individual and utilizing whatever we can to, to get them to feel better and quite amazing what, um, things that are not drugs can do. Like as a pharmacist, I'm like, wow, you know, I wish I had learned about how effective some of these things were during pharmacy school. Yeah, And, um, that's, that's why it's so important for a person to make sure they're working with somebody who's trained in, um, a wide variety of medicine and not just sort of pigeonholing them into, okay, well, there's only one way to do this. Nothing but medications works or only natural medicine works, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, I
0: have a question for you on the liver piece. So I l- use liver protocol in my practice too. And, you know, again, hearkening back from those old herbal days, there are so many wonderful herbs that support the liver in different ways. But one of the things that I've also come to is that so much of T4 to T3 conversion is happening in the liver. How much do you think that is playing a role in the herbal support that or, or in the nutritional support we're doing for liver care?
1: Bingo. So, yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why people feel significantly better is because they have better conversion of T4 to T3. And I actually recommend doing the liver support protocol maybe even before you start talking about changing your thyroid hormone over to from T4 to T3 and and trying to add play around with that because some people I've seen actually they they do better on even T4 medications when they're converting um, T4 to T3 better which is always exciting because I know for a lot of folks out there, it's hard to find um, a doctor like yourself who's trained in both, um, in in all the different kind of thyroid medications, not, not just the, not just the one, right?
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting. You know, I find myself also thinking about, okay, let's say you have a patient who, or a client or just someone who's listening and treating themselves all legit, who is having trouble with, let's say they're having like a low T3 syndrome, just giving them T3 may not be the best thing for their body because I really trust the inherent wisdom of the body. So if the body is not converting T4 to T3 or if the body is taking its free T3 and converting it to reverse T3, I also want to look at, well, is the body trying to protect itself from having too much fuel in the gas tank, right? Like part of what's happening... Or one piece of Hashimoto's that I know you and I both look at, and I look at it through sort of the adrenal piece, and I think your safety theory is pretty much looking at it, you know, the same way we just may call it different things. I think about it as reserve theory. But in, in some ways, we have to trust the inherent wisdom of the body, of course, sort of fixing what's wrong. If the liver's not functioning right and the body's not converting T4 to T3, that's one thing. But what if the body is trying to be resistant to T3 on purpose? Or what if the body is sequestering T3 because that free T3 is too much for an already exhausted body to handle?
1: I wonder what, what do you think about that? Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you fully. And this is why it's so important to look at the underlying root causes and not just necessarily give somebody more t3 yes that can help but a lot of times it's a band-aid approach and that's a short-term solution if somebody's having elevated levels of reverse t3 because because of a stressor in their life let's talk about how do we address that stressor is it a traumatic event that's been happening in their life that they need to address and process is it because their liver is not properly getting rid of toxins and doesn't have the um, ability to make that conversion? Is it something that's happening in their gut? And so a lot of times for for what I see works best for clients is, is making sure that they utilize this holistic approach where we're looking at all the different pieces of the body and how they're working together because the thyroid gland does not live by itself in a vacuum, right? So it's not just simple like, okay, well, you have low T3, let's just add more T3 and call it a day. <laughs> Exactly.
0: And a couple of other stressors that I know you and I both share as equally important approaches with our clients, patients, readers, et cetera, are other inflammation and chronic underlying infections, not just gut infections, but I see a huge amount of women that I test in my practice who have Hashimoto's, or maybe they have just some TPO elevation, haven't had TSH changes yet, but they're tired, they're achy. And I check them and it turns out they have a new or reactivated EBV. But even just chronic underlying inflammation can can cause you to sequester RT th- T3 as RT3. And your body's sort of trying to protect itself from, from overdrive in some ways. So all important things to look at. Isabella, we need to wrap up in a minute. You mentioned that you were using adaptogens to support yourself. And obviously, these are herbs that I love too what were you using? You don't have to name the product, but what what adaptogens were you specifically using to support yourself?
1: I really like ashwagandha and maca. So those are two of my favorites that I utilize whenever um, I'm feeling a lot of stress. I love it. And
0: a lot of people actually come to me and they say, I've heard in various books from colleagues of ours or other places that you can't use ashwagandha when you have a thyroid problem or an autoimmune problem. And just to clarify for readers, I've actually done deep dive into both of those. And it's all, I jokingly call it urban, like H-E-R-B-A, an urban <laughs> legend. Um, you can actually, and Isabella, I mean, I know you're a careful researcher and careful about what you put into your body and you're using ashwagandha. So I'm pleased to hear that.
1: Um, one of the challenges I think is ashwagandha has been lift, listed as a nightshade and um, some people might have nightshade sensitivities. Yeah. Um, I personally did not. So that was never one of my causes. And I absolutely believe if somebody says they're sensitive to ashwagandha, but at the same time, it can be so helpful. I always encourage people to to give it a try and see see if it helps you. Absolutely. So Isabella, you've got this amazing new book out. You've got
0: two books out right now that are just crushing it in the market. And I know helping... Thou- tens of thousands of women. And I know the goal is, well, I mean, you reach like half a million women with your, I, I just have to clap, you know, that's like an incredible a feat that you reached half a million women with your documentary. So tell us where you want people to go to get what you're most excited about right now that you're sharing with
1: the world. Sure. And thank you so much for pe- being a part of the thyroid secret documentary. Oh, really yes. You are welcome. Coming together and sharing this powerful message we um I have a website called thyroidpharmacist.com and that's where I release the most helpful content on a weekly basis. Um, whatever new things that I'm finding or old things that need more explanation, I, I'm putting that information out there so people can go to thyroidpharmacist.com and if they go to thyroidpharmacist.com slash gift, they can get some great recipes and a quick starter guide on nutrients. And then my book Hashimoto's Protocol and Hashimoto's The Root Cause—they're both available wherever books are sold, so Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, if you guys are looking to to dig a little bit deeper and um, and get some more helpful information on Hashimoto's, that would be a great uh, that would be a great place, as well as of course. Um, your book, which I highly recommend to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, it is so fun
0: to have my thyroid sister on natural MD radio. So thank you for joining me today. And it's just so great to have a colleague that I can, you know, sort out ideas with, um, learn new things from share things that we both agree on. So people are going, aha, they both do that. I love it. And also thank you for your honesty and openness about your own path. It's just, probably the most valuable thing that you bring to the table is your humanity coupled with your knowledge. It's a really beautiful thing. So thank you
1: so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world. I really appreciate you. You are so welcome. And it's, again, such a pleasure. Everybody,
0: the links for getting to Isabella's page, her book are all right there below the chat with Isabella. You can see them there. Head on over. She's got tons of resources to share and I know you're going to love what she has to offer and love getting to know her if you don't already. Talk to you next week on Natural MD Radio.